follow Keith and Don and give them a hard time. The verse we'll be looking at this morning is that. Give us this day our daily bread. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, as we open our Bibles. And we're going to talk about, first of all, God bless America. It's Memorial Day weekend. We're remembering those who served our country. And there's an article that was written in 2014. It's been updated in in, uh, late 2020. Uh, entitled, 11 Stats That Will Change the Way You Think About Consumerism. And the author, Jesse Carey, writes this, that, of course, on the biggest shopping day of the year, Black Friday, keep in mind, this is 2014 data, um, he said, we decided to look at some of the numbers to show just how powerful America's obsession with consumption really is. And here are some of the stats that I want you to to remind us of and take a look at. And the first one is that you can, you can read that or see that. But the amount Americans spend in a single weekend is more than half of the total they give to churches in an entire year. In 2014, Americans spent $57.4 billion on Black Friday weekend alone, and they gave $103 billion to churches over the course of the whole year. Um, and this is not just related to the church, it's just consumerism as a whole. Enough cake cups were thrown out in 2014 to encircle the earth 12 times. What's a cake cup? I heard that question. A Keurig. You know, you get a little plastic thing that has a coffee in it, ground coffee, and you put it down and shoots the water through it and makes like a, kind of like a fresh cup of coffee. But the plastic cups they're in, they throw those out, um, plastic containers, and obviously they could circle the earth 12 times. And knowing our uh, love of coffee, I'm assuming that number hasn't gone down. Nearly 40% of food in America goes to waste. You would probably know this, Roseanne, running a restaurant and so on. Um, do you guys remember, by the way, this is in, in the, the sermon, Michael Dean, or uh, it was a, the ref, Michael or the refrigerator Perry, Chicago Bears, Big guy, I think he went to, is it Clemson or something like that? Biggest guy in the NFL. In 1985, they won William Dean Perry. He, uh, like 350, 400 pounds, and he was like a, a defensive lineman and played fullback, and when the Bears won the Super Bowl in 1985, remember the Super Bowl shuffle and all that? Do you know how he got that big? He sat outside at McDonald's at it closed, and all the food that they were throwing out, they gave to him. So yeah, William Dean Perry. <laughs> Anyways, globally, malnutrition and lack of food affects 161 million children around the world every year, and yet we allow 165 billion of food to be wasted every year. In America, more money is spent on fashion accessories than college tuition. The amount spent on shoes, watches, and jewelry alone totals $100 billion. It's a lot of money. Let's see here. Uh, See, wealthy nations waste almost as much food as is produced in all of sub-Saharan Africa. Nearly half of the world's toys are in America. Despite making up just over 3% of the global population of children, American kids consume 40% of the world's toys. 
America creates more electronic waste than any other nation on earth, despite being less than a quarter the size of China, we throw out more than one million tons more electronic devices than any other country. Homes in the U.S., this is convicting, contain more TVs than they do people. Some of you are shaking your head, yes. On average, houses in the U.S. have three working television sets. And of course, they're not called television sets anymore. What are they called? Smart TVs, which is what a cell phone is, basically. And 12% of the population does more than half of the spending. So, you know, if you sit there and think about that for a moment... One of the reasons Americans consume so much is because we have so much, right? Um, Grocery shopping has changed for a lot of us during the pandemic, but it takes so long. I used to loathe going to the grocery store because there's so many options to choose from. Think about if you just go through the cereal aisle in a store. I mean, by the way, what's your favorite cereal? Fruit Loops, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Mark. You don't know. That's not a cereal. You drink, you eat a lot of cereal. You like Fruity Pebbles. Okay. Anybody in here? Front row, Lydia? Crackle Note brand? Is that your favorite? Cheerios? My wife loves Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios. She eats that a lot. Gage, you like cereal? No? Yeah, there's a ton of options in terms of cereals that you can choose from. Um, I noticed like, the lack of options when I was visiting and ministering in Africa for two weeks. And you realize how much we have compared to how little everyone else has. And of course it changed my definition of what it meant to be poor, spending some time in Africa. But in his article, Tim Warstall offers a reality check down, or check of what it's really like to be poor in America as opposed to being actually poor. I think I got these stuff up here, yeah. See, we're often told that to be poor in the U.S. is much worse than being poor in the social democracies of Europe. And the bottom 10% in the U.S. are indeed worse off than the bottom 10% in Sweden. But the bottom 10% in America are better off than the bottom 10% in Germany or France. Okay? Does the bottom 10% in the U.S. have better lives than the top 10% in Russia, Portugal, and Mexico? And that's a fact. I know that because I spent time in Russia. I know what it's like. For Americans, according to 2018 poverty guidelines, a family of four has an income of $25,100. Put this into perspective here. America's bottom percentile is still richer than most of the world. To put it more clearly, the typical person in the bottom 5% of the American income distribution is still richer, look at that, than 68% of the world's inhabitants. Isn't that something? And for comparison's sake, India's richest percentile measures 68%. Yes, that's right. America's poorest are as a group about as rich as India's richest. That's according to astonishing numbers. America's poor still live better, live better than most of the rest of humanity by Tim Worstall in Forbes magazine. And to show how wealthy and financially blessed Americans are, just think about this. The medium annual household income for the global population is what? Anyone want to guess? 
Yeah, it's, it's not, a little bit more. It's $9,700 a year, almost ten grand a year. The median annual household income for an American, it's 48000 almost $48,672. So you're talking a, a $39,000 difference. Scott Keffer writes this, that if U.S. nonprofits were a country, nonprofits, like Focus on the Family, World Vision, you know, Red Cross, nonprofits, religious organizations, schools, universities, etc., they would rank as the sixth largest economy in the world, larger than Canada or Russia. U.S. nonprofits produce 1.1 trillion in annual revenues percent of our GDP, gross domestic product. So, has God blessed America? Amen. He certainly has. Okay. So let's talk about how God blesses here we go, his children. As a group, are we blessed? Well, Rob Mole writes this, that when you consider the incredible wealth of evangelical Christians, those who say their faith is very important to them, and attend a church twice a month, or earn more than $2.5 trillion a year. And on their own, this group of Christians would be admitted to the G7, the group of the world's seven largest economies. Now here's the thing about that number. That was from 2008. Yeah, I would say that God is clearly taking care of his children. Wouldn't you say that? Now, as we study the Lord's Prayer, the first three requests, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done, focus on who? The Lord, God, and his glory. Remember, we pray to get, right? No, no, no. We pray so that God may be glorified. So the last three requests focus on man and his need. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the shift goes from God now to us. But it's God first, then us. And our Lord's point is clear. Until God is in the proper place, man cannot pray properly about his own needs. So if you ever wonder why you're not getting your prayers answered, what might the answer be? God's not first in some area of your life. or you're, you're, There's something wrong. Because as a loving Heavenly Father, He desires to meet your needs. And I also want to add this. Now even though God is, is primarily exalted in the first half of the Lord's Prayer, the second half of the Lord's Prayer still exalts Him. For example, the fact that God gives us our daily bread, forgives our debts, and leads us not into temptation, it's an expression of his power and his grace. So how does God hallow his name, bring his kingdom, and do his will on earth? By giving us, his children, our daily bread, by forgiving us our debts, and leading us in our lives, right? Those are all things that we are told to ask for in this prayer. So God, in, in one sense, who is in heaven, is brought to earth, you see that, in this second part of the prayer. 
Because we want your will to be done in, on earth as it is done in heaven. And he is brought to earth through meeting our needs. But the purpose is still the same, the glory of God. The last three requests say, God, glorify yourself in our daily provision. Glorify yourself in our constant forgiveness. And don't we need to be constantly forgiven? And glorify yourself in the leading and the directing of your spirit in our lives. It's all about the glory of God. In other words, God, be on display in your world that your kingdom may come to earth through us. That's how it works. That's his plan. His kingdom comes through us. There'll come a time when he comes again and he does all the rest of the work, but until then, his kingdom is to come through us. We are to give God the privilege and opportunity of revealing his glory through the meeting of our deepest human needs. So we're going to take a brief look this morning at Matthew 6.11. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer for what? Our physical needs, right? The term bread means all of man's physical needs. In case you didn't know that. And God is interested in providing your physical needs. Let me say that again. God is interested in providing for your physical needs. Because later on in Matthew chapter 6, he's going to talk about giving you a cure for anxiety. And what brings anxiety in our lives? But Because we don't have something that we want. Namely, some physical need. And yet, here you have a loving Heavenly Father who says, here, in his words, I'm interested, I want to, I desire to meet your physical needs, your daily bread. If you think about that even further for a moment, our God who has created all things, the infinite universe, the heavens, the stars, the sky, the water, earth, mountains, trees, the God of space who is beyond time and eternity, the God who is infinitely holy. He's infinitely righteous and who holds all things together by the power of his might, the world and the spinning stars he holds in the palm of his hand. That same God cares to meet your physical needs. Now think about the all the waters of this world. The scriptures tell us that he holds them in the span of the palm of his hand. And yet, that same God desires to meet your physical needs. He knows you have a meal to eat, clothes to wear, a place to rest. And here's the kicker. He delights in meeting those needs. For those of us that have children, there's a, uh, and for those of you that will have children, you need to remember this, there is a delight in providing or giving a gift to your child that you will never know until you have your own children. And, and take that delight, multiply it by an infinite number, and that's what God feels towards you in meeting your needs.
And he loves fulfilling his promise, and that's what he's promised, to meet your needs. He is a loving God, a caring God, who has all the infinite resources available to him. He lacks nothing. Turn to Psalm 37, if you would, and we'll get an idea of how God, through the Old Testament, desires to meet your physical needs. Psalm 37. All there? It says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That's Psalm 37.3. Again, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness means to be fed, Right? So the righteous man trusts in the Lord for, amongst other things, a belief for salvation, and does good, i.e. the good works that result from salvation. As a result, the promise is he will dwell in the land and be fed. As the psalm continues, it makes a comparison between the righteous and the unrighteous. For the righteous, there is promise. For the unrighteous, there is judgment. Look at verses 18 and 19. The Lord who knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. In the days of famine, they will have abundance. Isn't that cool? So the promise of the provision of God for his own people in a time of famine There was a mini famine, if you want to call that. It's called a global pandemic, right? And there were things that we went without. But we had more than enough, did we not, during that time? Even toilet paper, right? Even Clorox wipes, God provides. When you think about a famine, of course, in the Old Testament, what storage comes to mind? The story of Joseph in Egypt and Jacob and all of that, the famine that was in the land. Did God provide for them? He certainly did. And as you go forward in Psalm 37, the main theme is a righteous man is cared for by the Lord. And by the way, what makes you righteous in God's eyes? It's Jesus Christ. You believe in him, he declares you righteous, which means then what? God will provide for you. You're his child. And of course, everything climaxes in verse 25. It says, I have been young and now I am old, the psalmist writes, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. In the New Testament, Jesus promised this in Luke 18. Peter said, Behold, we have left our homes and followed you he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. So you get blessed in following him in this life and also 
in the next life. I believe God has provided houses and lands and fathers and mothers and homes for his own children in this life, again, as well as in the life to come. And it's a tremendous blessing to know that God is a God who has promised to meet our physical needs. Just listen to this. I'm going to give you some more information here. How has God done this? In 2018, the total crop value of the United States was just under $144 billion. Let me put this into perspective. If you just took $61 billion of the $144 billion, and out of all the crops, just took the corn, okay, it would fill 2 million jumbo hopper train cars that would stretch 13 times back and forth across the United States. If you wanted to harvest the state of Iowa using human beings, it would take 31 million people using 61 million horses. But with technology, we can line up harvesting machines wheel to wheel and harvest Iowa in one day. Technology has given us an incredible amount of productivity in terms of food. And of course, this has happened in America, I believe, because we're a nation founded on Christian principles. God has kept his promise, and has he not blessed the righteous? He certainly has. Now, let's just contrast that with a country that is not based on Christian principles. How about the country of India? The dominant religion is Hinduism. How is that blessing the people of India? Well, you know, people are dying every day of malnutrition or lack of clean drinking water. Men forsake their wives and children just to find food. Mothers throw their babies in the Ganges River and watch them die as an act of sacrifice to their gods because they're going to die of malnutrition anyways. The former prime minister of India, Indira Gandhi, said there's enough resources in India to feed that nation entirely and then export two-thirds of all that it produces. How about Brazil? The common, most dominant religion is Roman Catholicism. And Stan Mooneyham of World Vision told the story, it's a heart-rending story. He visited a house of Sebastian and Maria, I say their name, Nocumento. They're just a, a, your average poor family in Brazil. He describes the house as one room with a thatched roof and sand floor, one stool, a charcoal hibachi, and four cots, which were potato sacks filled with straw. This is what he wrote. My emotions could scarcely take in what I saw, saw and heard. The three-year-old twins lying naked and unmoving on a small cot were in the last act of their personal drama. Mercifully, the curtain was coming down on their belief, on their brief appearance. Malnutrition was a villain. The father's without work, and both he and Maria are anguished over their existence, but too proud to beg. He tries to shine shoes, and Maria can't talk about their existence. She tries, but words just will not come. Her mother's love is deep and tender, and the daily deterioration of her children is more than she can bear. Now, in preparing this sermon, I discovered that roughly 11% of the harvestable land on the globe is being used for food 
production. 40 years ago, 15% of the harvestable land was used for food production. Why are we using less? Technology. We are able to get more production out of less harvestable land. But why all the hunger around the globe? Is it for a lack of resources? Has God that blessed this planet, his creation? He has. The problem is, and really the question is, what cuts people off from those resources? See, that's a spiritual issue. God has shown he is not bound to provide for the unrighteous. But he provides for the righteous. And to show how generous God is, go back to Matthew 6, 11. We'll talk about praying the fourth petition. Again, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And daily is the key word there. Because what's he, what are we to, if we're going to pray like Jesus wants us to pray, what does it mean to pray daily? Give us this day our daily bread. It basically, the word daily means this. Give us our bread necessary for existence. Okay? That's what it means. You think of the word daily, it's, it's what, God, give me what I need to live. So I want to ask you, and by a show of hands, who has just enough to get by each day? And take a look around, because nobody has raised their hand. You have more than enough if you don't go shopping for a week or two weeks. You'll get through. We're talking about daily do I have enough for each day to just exist and get by? That is nobody's condition here. So is that what you have to pray for every day when you ask God for forgiveness? Of course not. See, it's the height of indifference and ingratitude to fail to daily recognize that God is actively upholding his world so that it supports our physical needs. Now this request, give us... This dare daily bread implies three points. Number one, it implies moderation. Okay? In other words, we don't need to be asking for the luxuries of life. What are you to be doing? Well, you seek first his kingdom, then all these things will be added unto you. Job sought first his kingdom, and he had what he needed and in abundance. And so whatever luxuries he gives you is a result of his gracious hand. And so the spirit of this petition, give us this day or daily bread, is simply this. In Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It also implies trust. Don't worry about what to eat or drink or wear. 
Matthew 6, 31-34. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, the fact that this petition, give us this day our daily bread, implies moderation and trust, it also means that Christianity, and you need to hear me on this, because this is huge in my opinion, See, it's the only faith that offers you anxiety-free living. We have the cure for anxiety. You don't need to be anxious or worry anymore. God will provide. And it may be good for you to, to take a look, or a different look, at this church. There are, play, there are, are people in other countries that don't have buildings to worship in. The electricity and the sound and the video and all of that. The, the luxury of having a coffee machine in the back there that we're still praying that Don Teodoro will use. Good luck on that, right? Our God does miracles. How about chocolate? Thank you, that's right. For children and Don. Yes. <laughs> okay. But God has provided for us. We don't need to be anxious. And we, you, we basically are coming, can we say this, we're at the tail end of the pandemic, if not out of it already. And were you lacking anything during that time frame? Nope, not at all. God provided. And finally, it also talks about, or implies total dependence. Notice that we pray, give us. Now think about this. What would happen if God shut off heaven? Nothing would grow, right? Plants, etc. The animals wouldn't eat. Thus, we eventually wouldn't eat. And then we would die. So if it doesn't rain, right, it's all over for us. But it is God who upholds us by his power and causes the rain to fall. And it's been good for me to go through this sermon series because every time I wake up in the morning, I realize God is still a God of love because the sun is rising on the righteous and the unrighteous. The rain is falling on the righteous and the unrighteous. He has provided even for his enemies. But all we have, and we forget this, don't we? All we have is from God. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. Now the temptation is to think, I earn more money. Well, if you have the ability to, to bend your back, if you have the ability to open your mouth and talk and make a living, if you have the ability to put tires on people's cars, the ability to think and even make a living. Who gave you that ability and that capacity? God did. And by the way, the money you got from the bank was made out of what? Stuff that God created. The paper comes from trees. The coins come from minerals. So there is nothing in the world that God didn't create. And so Thomas Watson, a Puritan writer, wrote this. 
If all is a gift from God, do you see the odious ingratitude of men who sin against their giver? God feeds them and they fight against him. He gives them bread and they give him affront. How unworthy is this? Should we not cry shame on him who had a friend always feeding him with money, and yet he should betray and injure that friend? Thus ungratefully do sinners deal with God. They not only forget his mercies, but they abuse them. Jeremiah said this, When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery. God spoke to, through Jeremiah to Israel, when I fed you to the full, your belly was full, then you left me. The more you have, the less grateful you can tend to be, so you've got to guard your heart. I'm going to close with this story. It's about Daniel Fuller, who was the uh, grandson of Charles Fuller. It's in an article called Give the Winds a Mighty Voice, the story of Charles Fuller. And just listen to this, and we'll close with this. It says, My grandfather left Orange Growing to preach the gospel through the radio. And of course, by the way, through Charles Fuller, we have now Fuller University and Fuller Seminary and so on. But this brought him into a season of trials. Here's how he described this to his listeners. We have come to know God in a new way. This is so true of anyone in ministry. We've come to know God in a new way because of the trials of these past three years. We have known what it is to have much sickness, financial losses, to have those turn against us and seek to hurt us who we thought were true friends, to have our only child brought down to death's door on two occasions, and to have gone before the microphone after sleepless nights, so burdened and cast down I did not know whether I could preach. But then he concludes, I want to tell you that after going through all this and much more, Mrs. Fuller and I know that God is able, that his promises are true. Two months later, he faced another trial and again saw God's faithfulness. My grandfather had trouble finding radio stations that would carry his preaching because many had policies against religious broadcasting. But God opened the door for him to take the Sunday evening slot on the station KNX, the voice of Hollywood. This is exciting because KNX planned on increasing its broadcast to cover the entire West Coast, Alaska, and Hawaii. But this Sunday time slot was expensive. Some of my grandfather's friends urged him not to move ahead, but he believed this was God's calling, so he made the commitment. But one Thursday, it looked like he had made a mistake. The next day, he owed KNX Radio $500, and we need to cancel Sunday's broadcast. But he only had $350. So he sat there, eyeing the phone, wondering if he should make the phone call to cancel. Finally, with great regret, he decided to make the call. But just as he reached for the phone, it rang. A dentist friend who had come to faith through my grandfather's broadcast was calling. His first words were, Charlie, do you need any money? My grandfather was shocked and answered, yes, I do. The dentist responded, well, then come over and see me. So my grandfather drove to the dentist's home. When he got there, the dentist asked him how much money he needed. My grandfather answered, $150. The dentist turned to his wife with a stunned 
look on his face. Then he pulled from his pocket a check he had already made out to my grandfather for exactly $150. And the dentist explained what had happened. So his wife had woken him up the previous night and said, we must give Charles Fuller $150 tomorrow. But the dentist explained to his wife that they had only $21 in their bank. But she insisted, I don't care, we've got to do it. He didn't know what to do, so he suggested they talk about the next day, and they went back to sleep. The next morning, he went to his dental office as usual, but, but while he was there, a patient unexpectedly arrived and said he had come to pay his overdue dental bill, which was for $800. When the bill was paid, the dentist immediately wrote a check for $150 to my grandfather. Then he drove home to tell his wife what had happened, and he called my grandfather to have him come over without knowing anything of how close my grandfather was to canceling his time slot on the KNX radio station. They were all stunned and strengthened by God's merciful, detailed faithfulness. So pray and trust him, for he is faithful. And so it's only appropriate that for this week, just thank God for his abundant provision as you are praying. Let's uh, close our eyes, bow our heads, and we'll pray and then close with a song. Heavenly Father, we all want to thank you for your abundant provision. When I think that we are held together in Jesus Christ, we worship you. When I thank you, or when I think that you have provided so much for us, I thank you, and I worship you, and it brings forth praise from my lips out of a grateful heart. Lord, would you create in us grateful hearts, dig out the root of, of ingratitude that is within us. May we daily be reminded of your abundant provision. We don't have to pray, give us this day our daily bread, because you've been so generous. You have indeed blessed the righteous. And I pray that we would be generous in return to you in all areas of our lives. And Lord, may you be pleased with this closing song this morning. Amen. Please stand and let's close with this song.